Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to the final episode for season two of Big Squid. And so we arrive at the end, not just for this season of Big Squid, but also the final song from the final album David Bowie would release while still alive. Black Star ends with the beautiful I Can't Give Everything Away. And we're not only going to take a closer look at this song, but also discuss what happened on that fateful day when we discovered Bowie was no longer with us. I'll then leave you with a little story, a coda if you will, that I've only shared with a handful of friends. So let's begin with blackout hearts, with flowered news, with skull designs upon my shoes. After the strange mood that descended upon me while the previous song Dollar Day seeped into my psyche, my first reaction to the closing song on Blackstar was one of relief. Even the way Dollar Day spills into I Can't Give Everything Away suggested two sides of the same coin, darkness being balanced out by the light, melancholy holding hands with joy. I think because the song is very pretty and feels like it envelops the listener, my first reaction was that this is a song of comfort, of letting you know everything is going to be okay. But is that the correct reading? When I first found out about Bowie's death, the album took on a whole new meaning, a brand new reading, a completely different experience, and out of all the songs on this album, this is the one that changed the most for me. Yet now when I listen to it in the first half of 2020, a year that has been challenging for all of us in so many different ways, I'm starting to feel that maybe my initial instincts were correct. Maybe I'd just come to the correct conclusion from the wrong direction. Let's one more time embrace the squid bits part of the podcast and have a closer look at the lyrics. Bowie opens the song with, 
I know something's very wrong. The pulse returns, the prodigal sons, the blackout hearts, the flowered news, with skull designs upon my shoes. It's weird to read these lyrics and admit to you that when I first listened to this song that I didn't really intuit anything wrong. It just felt like a song that was written in character. Just like the songs on Ours are written for a man who is no longer happy. That was a character that Bowie was portraying. So as we all know, the prodigal son is a man or a boy who left his family to do something they disapproved of and now returns full of wisdom and regret for what they've done. In the Bible, the prodigal son is the third of three parables on the topic of lost things being found. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. All three parables are in some way about a sinner repenting their sins and returning their faith in Jesus. The prodigal son was an abuser of grace, rejecting his unmerited and unearned favour within his family. Interestingly enough, it is the plural of prodigal sons that Bowie sings here. Is the narrator returning to faith as his pulse quickens with the news that his cancer has returned? It reads as if the news is taken with love and great compassion, but still the news is terrible. Bowie on numerous occasions stated he was never one who believed in organised faith, but that he did believe in something. Maybe the sons represent Bowie returning to the different types of faith that he adhered to. A little bit of Christianity, a touch of Islam, the knowledge of Crowley, and the peace of Buddhism. Bowie was a man of the world and a lover of books, so it isn't outlandish to believe that he had learned a lot on his travels, which instinctively had him build his own belief system. We then hear the chorus of I can't give everything away before the next verse slips in. Seeing more and feeling less, saying no meaning yes, this is all I ever meant. That's the message that I sent. To interpret this, there are two quotes we can take into account that shed some possible light on this verse. Back in 1972, in an interview with Charles Shah Murray, Bowie declared, I certainly don't understand half the stuff I write, and went on to explain that his lyrics change meaning for him with every new experience he takes on. In 2003, Bowie also said, Part and parcel of what I do for you is lying to you. So with those quotes in mind, I think this verse is for us, and just a little reminder that he always wanted us on our toes, guessing what was going to come next, ruminating over his art and wondering what it all meant. Remember in the first podcast I talked about how I think he was a master of nonsense, and I mean that in a very creative way. He often went for a feeling rather than a strict meaning, and ironically it feels like these lyrics here are Bowie talking to us directly and admitting, yes, yes I did lie and share broad ideas and it means nothing and everything, and it is for you to decide what it all means. This whole season, in many ways, is exactly what he wanted from his last work, for someone to overthink it dig into the many layers and produce thoughts that are either right on the money or the ravings of a mad person. I am definitely all of those things. There is once again humour in his words, that he acknowledges that, for the most part, he was having a great time fucking with us. Let's go full horseshoe one more time with this tasty morsel. Have a listen to this harmonica in I Can't Give Everything Away. Now listen to this harmonica in his song A New Career in a New Town. 
Is this a subtle way of Bowie letting us know that he's moving on to take up a new adventure elsewhere, beyond whatever lies behind the door, the last door we'll all have to open at one point or another? It feels like this song has our narrator learning his news, giving us one final farewell before leaving to start the next chapter, a story that we don't get to be a part of, but that's okay, because even if he can't give us this, he's given us so much already. Music, movies, art, tours, chat show appearances, interviews, fandom, recommendations, fashion, exhibitions. Bowie gave us all of this to enjoy in our own way. And it's just a little reminder before he bids us adieu. I remember quite vividly the moment I discovered the news of his death. It was January 11th down here in Australia, 2016, and I was just getting ready for my first stand-up comedy gig for the year at the original Giant Dwarf venue in Sydney. The show was comedy-ish, and it was set up for comedians to try their new material out before our festival seasons began. I was opening a brand new show in Perth in just a few weeks, so this was my first opportunity to trial material I had worked on over the summer break. I had jumped online to promote the show via social media when I saw the tweet from David Bowie's official Twitter handle that he had died. It was a very direct message, nothing flowery about it all, just a cold statement. My first thought was that the account had been hacked. It would have been the first time this had happened to a famous person. But my heart sank and I immediately opened numerous pages to check official news sites to see if this could be true. All I could do was keep refreshing the pages, seeing if anything would be reported. And at first, nothing was coming up. And I refreshed again and again. Then around six or seven minutes later, the first reports started to come through. But what sealed the information for me was the confirmation tweet from his son, Duncan Jones. As soon as I read what he'd written, I walked away from my phone as it began to buzz as I had no urge to talk to anyone. Instead, I calmly changed into my gym gear picked up my headphones and iPod, walked down to the gym and began to run with Blackstar blaring into my ears. I ran while listening to the whole album, the context of it suddenly changing and my entire weekend I had spent listening to Blackstar suddenly feeling so long ago, a memory that I was slightly misremembering. I returned from the gym and called mum who, like everyone else, was in shock. I calmly had a shower, dressed for my first gig of the year, picked up my notes and walked from my home in Surrey Hills to Giant Dwarf over in Redfern. Here in Sydney, it was a beautiful day. The sun was just beginning to think about calling it a day and I remember how colourful the world was. The trees were dressed in emerald green leaves, the flowers reached for the sky in high definition colours of purple, orange, red and yellow. There was the faintest hint of a breeze. I walked alone and wondered how I was going to do this gig. I couldn't pull out. It seemed unprofessional to not do the gig at this late notice, and I also wondered if maybe I was just overreacting. It's not like Bowie and I knew each other. He was an artist that I adored from afar, and apart from one brief moment, always admired as if he was from another world. And as I walked to the gig, I noticed something. I could hear his songs playing from the houses I passed. I could hear him singing from the bars that were opening, from the shops that were closing. As I walked through Surrey Hills, I could hear Changes, Gene Genie, Modern Love, Let's Dance, Heroes. 
People learned that Bowie was dead and their first reaction was to play his music as loud as possible, filling the world and shielding us from the news that he was gone. There was a weird vibe at the gig. I was surprised to see the audience made up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But varying ages, all talking about it. Some people's eyes were red. Some of the comedians talked solemnly in the darkness of backstage. Everyone was across the news. I kept running my eyes over my notes, but nothing was sticking. Without wanting to sound melodramatic, I suddenly felt like a different person and these words no longer held any meaning for me. By the time it was my turn to hit the stage, I put my notes away and as I was being introduced, I changed course on what I was about to perform. Instead of doing the new material, I told my Bowie story, the one you've experienced threaded throughout this season of Big Squid, in the hope that by sharing my story I would give the audience an anchor for their grief. It allowed me to be flippant and tell jokes as well, from losing my mind as an 11-year-old to being passively high at the Glass Spider tour, to that moment where Bowie and I laughed over a vanilla ice gag. And these jokes would in turn take the pressure out of the room and allow the audience to feel something other than anguish over his sudden death. I've been a comedian since 1994, and to be honest, most of my onstage career feels like a blur, no matter how hard you try to stay in the moment. But I'll always remember that gig at Giant Dwarf, the people I performed with that night, the audience, and their generous reaction to my story. In that moment on stage, I had never felt more alive. By the time I returned home, it was dark and I had spoken to only a couple of friends. I immediately needed to listen to more Bowie, but what do you listen to? I didn't know if I could listen to Blackstar, I needed something else. I looked through my collection and without thinking took out a bootleg album I have of the Serious Moonlight Tour, a live concert from 1983. It makes sense now. I wanted to be 11 again, with the whole Bowie journey beginning to stretch out before me. Everyone has their Bowie, and mine will always be that modern love version. There are other albums I enjoy more. There are other iterations I get more out of. But you always remember your first, and that was my guy. And as the album began to play, I began to weep that he was gone, alone in my apartment, just me and the music echoing about me. This brings us to the end of Season 2 of the Big Squid Podcast. For the final time, I'd like to encourage you to check out the books by Chris O'Leary, Rebel Rebel and Ashes to Ashes, and to my personal Bible, Nicholas Pegg's The Complete David Bowie. 
there are also countless sites out there as well. So depending on your fandom, go looking for the ones that represent your level of love for the great man and go and have a look at all these different iterations. And one final segment for you, the I spend too much time alone thought. I have literally been alone for the majority of the production of this podcast. As I record this, it is the beginning of June in 2020. I performed at the Adelaide Fringe in February and March, then flew back to Sydney just as the pandemic spread across the world and confined us to our homes. I lost all of my work and literally didn't see anyone I knew for close to nine weeks. At this point, the world is just beginning to open up But across the borders in America, there is racial violence exploding across the nation. It is a time of turbulence. It is a time to learn. It is a time for everyone to look at themselves and wonder what we can do better. It's the least we can do for this next generation. I feel a change coming personally too. I don't know if I'll be able to return to my career, my old life, the only life I've really ever known. It is difficult to know what to do next, what is the right move, what I can do to keep you entertained and engaged, what I can do to keep myself engaged. I honestly don't know what happens next, so I'll share this little story with you that not many people know. After Bowie died, I felt like I spent much of the next few months in a daze. Isn't it absolutely crazy to be so affected by the death of a person you never knew? I guess I didn't know David Jones, but I knew David Bowie. His music had been the soundtrack of my life on more than one occasion. His words had kept me company on flights across Australia, on long bus trips, at night in my bedroom, on my lounge on a lazy afternoon. His final song tells us all we needed to know, his final message. He was a hippie, an alien glam rock star, a gouster, a thin white duke. A European minimalist, a new romantic, a megastar, a rock and roller, a revival, an elder statesman, a returning rock god, and in the end, a trickster. He was David Bowie, that guy I knew. His music was whatever you wanted it to mean, and that was the inherent brilliance in his work. For everyone, his music is personal. We could both love the same song for completely different reasons, and both reasons are valid. I've had many different ideas on what Black Star means over the past four years, and the conclusion I come to today is that the album is one last magic trick, mischievous and moody, unsettling and comforting. It is a funny album, but it's also a sincere goodbye. Today I think this was David Jones letting us say goodbye to everything that made up the sum of David Bowie. He couldn't give everything away, but he could give us this. His longtime producer and friend Tony Visconti said after Bowie was gone that his death was no different from his life, a work of art. David Jones gave us one more work of art, the swan song of David Bowie, who will live on and on. Today I believe the album is a cheeky work of art designed to bamboozle us. If he heard this podcast, I have no doubt that he'd think I'd over-egged the whole thing. But I'm also guessing he'd love that I, along with many others, have done just that. How could we not? Even the synchronicity of him dying on a Sunday and suddenly the line, where the fuck did Monday go, suddenly feels like he orchestrated the whole thing. This is the man who on rock and roll suicide saying, give me your hands because you're wonderful. He always knew how to make an exit. 
I wonder what I'll think of the album tomorrow. Back in 2016, though, Bowie was freshly gone, and as the year played out, we lost more and more significant artists. Alan Rickman, Prince, Carrie Fisher, George Michael. These are just a handful of people who died that year. Isn't it just like Bowie to be ahead of the curve one more time? That year, I bought tickets to see Lazarus in London at the end of the year and managed to see the show twice. The first time, I was in the front row. It was strange and beautiful. Michael C. Hall standing in front of me appeared to be the actor, the character, and Bowie himself. I have thought about that show a lot, and it was a huge influence on my own work when I returned to Australia, specifically my three-part play, The Ballad of John Tildanimus. Lazarus reminded me how much I love ambiguity. My second viewing of the show was just as beautiful. I was probably less teary the second time, but not much. But there was one day where I travelled alone down to Brixton, down to where a memorial had been set up with a painting of Aladdin saying, I found the spot and read the messages written on the mural. People from all over the world expressing their love and grief for this person who had touched their hearts. I listened to his music. I sat opposite the mural and played song after song while I took in that image. And I wondered what it all meant. It was then that I remembered reading that Bowie was first inspired by Little Richard. So I imagined Bowie as a little boy in Brixton experiencing that groundbreaking African-American performer for the first time and being so inspired he goes out and picks up the saxophone. That same boy grew up and went to create music heard all over the world that then inspired this little guy, a little boy in Adelaide, South Australia, to find his own way in the world. And I thought about all those connections, those chance encounters leading to this moment. And as I sat there in Brixton, I thought about Bowie's amazing life and how he was not only inspired, but also passed on his inspiration. And I hope too I have passed on some inspiration in my own little way. Because if I have succeeded, then that person, or maybe even you, you're a part of a wonderful journey that will continue when you in turn inspire someone with your thoughts, your passion, your talent. It's a thought I often cling to when things feel darkest. But back in Brixton, I sat there for a few hours watching people come and go, looking at the flowers still being left in front of the mural. Did I write anything? Uh, That's for me to know. But when it was time to go, I listened to Life on Mars one last time, and then I made my way back home. This is the final episode for Season 2 of Big Squid. Thank you for listening. If you know any Bowie fans or anyone who's just Bowie curious please feel free to share this podcast. Making this has kept me mildly sane in an insane time. And uh, I really appreciate your company. I hope you're well. Take care out there. And until then. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.